Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Joining us for the conversation, as always, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. Uh, Shane, I know it's been a few weeks since you and I last spoke, but it's great to be back here on the mic with you. A lot to catch our listeners up on. So a uh, welcome back and thank you for dropping by on this Tuesday morning. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back, Dan. Good to be with you again. So maybe beginning with the campaign trail, Shane, I know a lot has taken place over the past few weeks, namely over this past weekend. Uh, We did see that former President Trump did secure a win in the South Carolina primary. He also landed a notable endorsement from within the U.S. Senate. So what's your pulse on where things stand at this point? What comes next on the campaign trail? Yeah, no, um, President Trump had a uh, big win in South Carolina, and this was, you know, he won about 60 to 40 over uh, Nikki Haley, who used to be the governor of South Carolina. So, um, you know, larger margin of victory, but it is quite symbolic, you know, to, to score victory in Nikki Haley's backyard. So, you know, he's trying to use that as momentum, while on the same side, Nikki Haley's pointing out that, 40%, while it's not 50%, it's not an insignificant uh, amount of, of support. Um, so, you know, she's uh, forging ahead and trying to keep going. But the reality is, is you know, former President Trump is still on the path uh, to getting the Republican nomination. Um, and you, you, you're correct to note that um, he got the uh, endorsement of Senator John Thune, uh, who is the number two Republican in the Senate. Um, Senator John Thune and uh, former President Trump are not best friends by any means. They've had some um, uh, dust-ups in the past, we'll say. Uh, I think, you know, um, this is also showing kind of the inevitability of uh, President, former President Trump becoming the Republican nominee. Um, so for what's next on the campaign trail, we do have a primary today. Uh, in Michigan, and then we're a week away from Super Tuesday. Michigan, I think, you know, is being overshadowed by Super Tuesday, but I think it's going to be quite interesting, especially on the Democrat side. Um, You know, while we expect uh, President Biden to win the primary there, there is a a mounting um, uh, pressure from his left flank, if you will, of um, Arab Americans in Michigan, who are going to vote uncommitted to kind of protest uh, President Biden's stance on uh, Israel. And this could be important because, you know, remember, Michigan is one of the few states that's actually going to decide the election. It's one of those swing states in 2016 that supported uh, former President Trump. In 2020, it went to President Biden. So it really is uh, a toss-up state that can decide the election. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how many people vote uncommitted in Michigan um, to help us get a sense of does it really threaten um President Biden's chances to repeat and win Michigan in 2024, because, you know, he only won uh, Michigan in in 2020 by 154,000 votes. So if you see a big uncommitted vote tonight, you know, that could send off some alarm bells in uh, President Biden's reelection campaign. But uh, also, as I mentioned, on the horizon, we're a week out from Super Tuesday, which, um, you know, 
will be very big and can continue the momentum that we've talked about and potentially lock in the Biden-Trump rematch. So um, a lot going on here, but uh, the, the campaign season is here. Yeah, Shane, thank you for the update. It will be interesting to see what Michigan delivers today. We can certainly follow up and see what Super Tuesday delivers next week. A lot to talk about in the weeks ahead. So I do want to reflect on last week for a moment. Many of the nation's governors were invited to meet with President Biden, as well as other officials at the White House, to discuss a a range of pressing topics. Any takeaways or anything stand out to you from the summit? Yeah, so this was the winter meeting for um, the National Governors Association. So you actually had, I think, uh, more than uh, 40 states and territories represented with uh, their governors uh, in town for the meetings. And so, you know, I, I think there's kind of what did they talk about, what was actually happening, and then you have also what were the headlines. You know, they covered a, a variety of topics, everything from bipartisan solutions to housing affordability, artificial artificial intelligence, um, workforce development, disaster response, et cetera. So, but the headlines coming out was really about immigration and border policies. You know, a lot of Republican governors um, really uh, pushed uh, on President Biden to use uh, executive actions to uh, uh, to try and stem the tide of immigration across the borders. And, you know, uh, President Biden saying, you know, he, he, he and his team are looking at authorities, but in their estimation, they don't really have any authority so, to act. So, you know, this is kind of um, uh, reflective of what is the number one voters to most Americans, and it actually is immigration. And so, you know, uh, this is playing out uh, at the highest levels, you know, and usually you're talking uh, to federal officials uh, about immigration and, and border policies. But, you know, these governors are feeling the impact of immigration. It's, it's putting a strain on a lot of state resources. And, you know, I think governors are, um, in particular, in red states are becoming more active and uh, looking at sending their National Guard to the southern border uh, to try and enforce border uh, policies or, you know, um, try and dissuade uh, immigration. So, you know, this is um, on the top of minds of not only governors, but voters. So uh, it's not surprising to see it be, you know, kind of the the topic that gets the headlines. I would also note that, you know, um, one thing we saw out of this meeting was kind of uh, this bipartisan initiative to disagree better. Um, so you're seeing, and I've actually heard ads on the radio from uh, Republican and Democrat governors saying, listen, you know, obviously we disagree, but we don't have to be um, uh, so disagreeable. We can, you know, work together and still find common ground on 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 a lot of the problems that we're faced with as a nation. And, you know, we should forge ahead in that manner um, instead of, you know, continuing to engage in divisive politics. So I think, you know, that that is uh, good to see, you know, will actually um, lead to, you know, a great uh, bipartisan effort. Not likely, but it is, it's at least a positive to see uh, some recognition that, you know, uh, we need to do a better job working together. 
Yeah, it is encouraging to hear those sentiments and hopefully some bipartisan efforts can take shape to come up with solutions for some of these many pressing issues facing our nation at the moment. Do you want to turn to this week as it's timely we're discussing this on a Tuesday today? I know congressional leadership will be meeting with President Biden at the White House. Uh, this in an effort to avert a government shutdown. I know we have a couple of key deadlines coming up there as well as discuss an emergency aid package for Ukraine. So a lot going on. How does the aid package, though, intersect with keeping the government funded? What are the prospects for a a deal being reached at this point from what you can gather, Shane? That's right. Uh, The four top congressional leaders are meeting at the White House with President Biden today to see if they can move ahead to avert a partial government shutdown this Friday. And that's because currently, um, you know, um, there are four bills uh, that fund agriculture, um, transportation, housing, and urban development, uh, and Veterans Affairs, that if they do not reach um, a solution on, those departments and agencies will uh, shut down, you know, uh, Saturday as of midnight. So, you know, um, it's not a full government shutdown, but a partial. You know, uh, that is also to say, though, that we're... Um, uh, about just over 10 days away from next Friday, you know, uh, March 8th, where the remaining uh, government functions, um, that's the funding deadlines for those. So, you know, we could kind of see this in a two-stage um, uh, effort here for uh, congressional leaders to try and ensure that there is no government shutdown. But I think the reality is, is right now, you know, we'll see what comes out of this meeting. But, you know, going into the meeting, um, most people in D.C. are not too optimistic. Um, I would say, you know, uh, they, they are all trying to come up with a solution. And, you know, no one's kind of digging in their heels and just saying no at this point. Um, of course, there are lawmakers who are of that position, but, you know, I think this is, today's meeting is in a good faith effort to try and reach a solution. But, you know, as you were saying, there are other um, issues out there that may come into play, like funding for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, um, you know, which the Senate has already approved funding for, but the House is not acting. So I think, you know, in this meeting, um, Speaker Johnson's going to be a little bit uh, alone and on an island as everyone else in the meeting uh, supports funding for Ukraine, uh, Israel, and Taiwan um, without strings attached, which I think was maybe Speaker Johnson's position that he wants to see some uh, border language and border funding as well. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Speaker Johnson handles this meeting and does it lead to a shutdown or does it lead to some kind of deal that um, actually some Republicans will not like and therefore maybe they try to uh, depose Speaker Johnson and he would uh, have an even shorter tenure than former Speaker uh, McCarthy. So it's going to be an interesting and rocky two weeks here in D.C. to say the least.
potential notable implications, as you pointed out, for Speaker Johnson, and it will be interesting to see what comes out of today's meeting. We'll keep track of this very closely in the coming days, though, Shane, thank you for dropping by the podcast on this Tuesday morning for keeping our listeners, our clients informed. Uh, As always, plenty here that we'll be sure to follow up on when we speak uh, next week, but thank you again for your time today, Shane. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back, Dan. Thank you, Shane. Again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. I do want to point out to our listeners, our clients, that you can now locate the latest edition of the Washington Weekly publication from the Governmental Affairs U.S. office here at UBS on the Internet site ubs.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 